Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for, for your goodness, Lord, and, and how your goodness shines upon the earth, Lord, and how your goodness shines upon this church in each and every life that's here, every family that's here. Uh, we thank you, God, for always being good. And Father, we pray, Lord, that today you would speak your word, that your voice would be loud, it would be clear. And Father, Lord, that it would uh, change hearts today, that we would change our way of thinking, that we would think like you, and that we would walk like you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just celebrated last month, Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, the congregation was very grateful and, and very giving. Uh, many of the pastors received gifts, cards, lunches, dinners, even to the very little things and the most precious of, hey, I really appreciate you. I thank you. And... Um, it really does mean a lot. Sometimes you just need that word of encouragement. And it's not about the printed card, but the written card that says, we appreciate you. Thank you for, for, your, for your heart to serve. And um, I, I know that as we're getting into the month of November, December, God's heart is that we continue to have that heart of being grateful. Um, and not lose our focus on the festivities on the gifts, on the things, um, but that we don't lose our focus on being grateful. And so let's not wait to Thanksgiving to say, all right, so this is a timeout on my gratefulness, and I'll wait to the last Thursday of the month, and then I'll be grateful again. And don't put a timeout to that. We need to have a life that's continually grateful to the Lord. And so the word the Lord gave me was world-changing gratefulness. And um, one thing the Lord showed me is, and, and you see that in the people of God, is that when you become ingrateful and you start to live a life that way, and you'll, and you'll see that sometimes we live this way and we don't see it. But when you start to live a life this way, and it's a daily life of ungratefulness, you're, you be start to become distant from God. Your, your heart starts to grow cold. And this happened to the people of God. The Israelites, they lived as slaves for 400 years. I want you to think about that for a second. They were enslaved in bondage for 400 years. And they were tortured. They were mistreated. But their cry, their prayer was always, Lord, deliver us. And so this was always their desire. They wanted to be free from that, from that addiction. They wanted to be free from those chains of bondage. And God graciously said to them, he, he, sent, he sent a deliverer, Moses. And with his grace, his love, his care, he delivered him. And not only that, the Lord provided every need. The Bible says that they never lacked anything. How awesome and how gracious is God that he would take us and he would rescue us 
and he's got an incredible plan and he's got an incredible purpose and he says, I've got a promise for you. I got a land that's, that, that's incredible for you and I'm going to provide your every need along the way. But what happened as the years passed by, as the years went on in the wilderness, they started complaining with what God had given them. He, he, he gave them water when they were thirsty. He gave them bread when they were hungry. And they complained to a, to a point where they said, man, remember the, eat that, the, the meat that we used to eat back then? Remember the churraco that we used to have back then? I wish that we were back there. Their heart got so bad that they wished that they were back in slavery. They wished that they would go back to the place that they first started. And initially that was their heart. Their heart was, Lord, get me out of here. And that's what happens to the heart of those that become ungrateful. As time goes on and you're not grateful, you don't live a life of, of gratitude for the Lord, you will start to distance yourself. You will, your heart will start to grow cold. And you won't even realize it, that that will be your heart. I'm just, I just want to go back. I want to go back to the life of sin. I want to go back to the life of, of the addiction I had. And how sad that is. When God has an incredible plan, he sees the end result. He sees the, the, the final product. And we lose hope. We give up. And it's all because of the heart. Their hearts grew cold. And they said, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. I'll tell you, ingratitude is one of the greatest sins that we can have. Ingratitude is a characteristic of rebellion. Because you know that you should be grateful, but you choose to be ungrateful. And that's rebellion, when you choose to do what you want to do. And if you don't live a life thanking God, you're going to live a life distant from Him. If you don't regularly live a life of thanking God, you will continue and you will eventually live a life distant from him. So if you find yourself distant from God, ask yourself, how grateful am I for what the Lord did in my life? You know why we complain sometimes? You know why the people of God complain? Because they forgot. We complain because we forget. We forget what the Lord did. We forget the freedom that the Lord gave us. We forget what the Lord had done in our life. We forget the, the, the life that we were living and the life we have right now. Where would my life be if it wasn't for the Lord? When we lose focus of that, we become ungrateful. And we start to complain. Oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. I wish I had this. I wish I had a new house. I wish I had a new car. I wish I had a new wife. I wish I had. We complain. The list gets endless. Focus. You need to remember where the Lord took you from. You need to remember so that you don't complain, but you become grateful. God wants to bless you, but he will only do it if you are grateful. He wants to multiply what you have. God's not into addition. He's into multiplying. It's a lot better when you multiply. You get there faster. And God's into multiplication. 
but he only does it with those that are grateful. The key to fulfillment in life is gratefulness. Because when you're not grateful, you're seeking after everything you can and you're not satisfied. You'll try this, you'll try that, everything that God doesn't give you. You, you try this, you try that. And you're not satisfied. It won't fill you. But when you're grateful with what you do have, there you'll find fulfillment. There you'll find satisfaction. There is where you'll find true joy. Be grateful for what you have. When Jesus was with the disciples and there was 5,000 men, the Bible says, 5,000 families. So maybe they didn't add up the children and uh, the kids. There were just maybe too many, the, the children and the wives. Maybe there was 15,000, maybe 20. If it was a spring of life, 5,000, it would probably be like a 30,000. <laughs> but the disciples said, Jesus, what do we do? We've got to feed this crowd. You want to teach this crowd, but we got to give them some food. They're about to faint. And let me remind you, there's over 15, 20,000, 30,000 spring of life people here. What do we do? And I love the response that Jesus had. In verse, let's go to Mark chapter 6, verse 38. The disciple says, what do we do? Jesus' response is, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see when they, go and see how many loaves do you have? We ask the question, what do we do? God says, what do you have? Miracles begin with what you have. When you recognize what you have, when you recognize that what you have was given to you by God, God will, will begin to multiply it. But we focus on what we don't have. We focus on the things we want. And not the things that we already have. If our focus is an inventory of what we don't have, you won't, probably, you won't properly give thanks to what you do have. Our focus has to be on what we have and what the Lord has given us. And I want you to notice his attention immediately that, that as soon as they asked... He wanted them to recognize it. You're asking God, what do I do? He's like, what do you have? Look at everything I've given you. And when you recognize what you have and you're thankful for it, and Jesus after took what he had. He had the, the, the five loaves of bread, the two fish. And the Bible says he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. He thanked God for it. When you thank God for what you have and immediately there is where the multiplication took place. Is when you, when, you're give, when you give to the Lord what you have. And you say, Lord, thank you. Bless what you've given me. The little that I call little, I know is a lot. I, want, I know it's a little to you, and, but, but I want you to know it's a lot to me. Bless it. Thank you, Lord. 
And the Lord will begin to multiply that which you ha- what you have in your life. Be thankful for what you have right now. Don't be thankful and wait until Thanksgiving Day. It's a daily thing. Every day I drive home. When I drive home from work and I get into my driveway, I get out of my car, look at my house, I say, thank you, Jesus. Every day. There's not a day that passes I don't do that. There's not a day that passes that I walk through those doors and I see my kids and I see my wife and I say, thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful for what the Lord has given me. Because I think and say, where would my life be at? What would I have today if it wasn't for the Lord? Would I be walking to this house? Would I be walking to this family? I don't think so. I'd be so far from where I'm at right now. If it wasn't for the Lord. And that's enough. That's enough. I don't need more than that. What God has given me is more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me purpose. Thank you for giving me what I have. And with that, Lord, I'm going to thank you. And it's going to be a continual, continual daily praise and thanks to my God. And it's got to be daily. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. And I want to focus on this story. And this is the story of the 10 lepers that were cleansed. And leprosy, those who don't know, it's a contagious disease. It affects the skin. It affects the nerves of the body and eventually causes a person to become disabled. And so in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we're going to read 11 and we'll go to 17. It says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, and they stood afar off. You see, they, they stood afar from him because it was a contagious disease. And so they couldn't be close to Jesus. Verse 13. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? I want to tell you that gratitude will produce a genuine worship in you. And God's called us all to be worshipers. But there's no way that you will be a worshiper unless you have gratefulness in your heart. Where there is gratitude, there is found true praise to God. There's about 
When you read the word praise in the Bible, there's over 10 Hebrew meanings for the word praise in the Bible. So it's not always the same thing. But I want to focus on four of them. The first one is yada. Yada is to worship with extended hands. Psalm 67.3. It says, may the people praise you. When it says the word praise there, it means that they, it means to worship with extended hands. It's, it means yada, to worship with your hands extended. When some, when you, if you've ever seen somebody that is given something that they really wanted, that they really desired, that they really needed, you'll see them give the expression of thank you. Thank you so much. You have no idea what that means for me. You have no idea how much we needed what you have just given us. That's a form of praise. That's a form of thanksgiving. And the same goes with our heart with the Lord. We should never be lifting hands. Okay, Eric, guess everybody's lifting their hands. Let me just worship the Lord and extend my hands. No, it's got to be what's happening on the inside. Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. And that's where... That's why we lift our hands in church. That's why we lift our hands in worship. But it shouldn't be at just church. Worship God. Extend your hands to the Lord wherever you go. It is a form of praise to God. It is a form of gratefulness. It's what's happening on the inside. If you're not truly extending your hands to the Lord in gratefulness, it's because there is no gratefulness. If you're not thanking him and praising him that way, check your heart. The next one is Barak, B-A-R-A-K. And it means to kneel in thanksgiving. It means to bless the Lord. To thank God on your knees. When you, when you thank somebody, thank you so much. It's, it's, it takes it a step further in appreciation of what that person has done for you. Thank you so much. And if your praise hasn't gotten to your knees yet, then maybe you haven't appreciated what God has done for you. You should continually be thinking about what God has done for you. And when you think about it, wow, look what I have. Thank you, Jesus. You get on your knees. It causes me to get on my knees. It's not even, I don't even choose it anymore. It's like, I just get on my knees. Thank you, Jesus. I extend my hands. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you because you're good. The next one is Shabbat, which is a shout of praise. It's to shout with thanksgiving. Our praise should be a shout. Sometimes we shout so much for other things. We're excited about so many things that we get. We need to shout to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you because you're good. Thank you because you're faithful. Psalm 145 verse 4. We see this type of praise here. And it says, one generation 
commends or shall praise your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts, of your mighty works. Verse five, no, verse four, leave it there. One generation shall praise, shall commend. It shall be so loud that the next generation is going to know about it. My praise shall be so loud that the next generation is going to say, my father praised God. My, it's going to be so loud that my grandchildren are going to hear it. Amen. They're going to know that their grandpa right. praised God. Right. He was grateful. It was so loud. How loud is your praise? How continue? How loud? And the last one I want to share, there are many of them. It's one of my favorites, and it's the most used in the Bible, is, is hala, H-A-L-A-L, which means to boast, to celebrate. We get the word hallelujah from this word, from this Hebrew word. And it means to celebrate. It means to boast. We boast and we celebrate about the championship games that take place, the World Series you see us run and jump like fanatics in front of a TV. Yeah, we won! And we go crazy and Miami wins something and we go to Bird Road with pots and pans and we celebrate. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating. But there's no greater celebration than what God has done in your life and what God has given you. Hallelujah is the highest praise. It is the greatest praise you can give. When we read the scripture and it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, it's hallelujah to the Lord. Everything that has breath, let it praise God. Wherever you go, your life should be should be filled with hallelujahs. If it isn't, check your heart. Check if you're being ungrateful. I'll tell you, if you had leprosy in Jesus' day, you couldn't live a normal life. Because it was contagious and it was long-lasting. How would you respond to Jesus if you were healed from leprosy? I'll tell you, the disease that I had this disease called sin, it's long-lasting. And it's deadly. And my life was right about to be destroyed. And he saved me and he rescued me. Amen. Contentment and obedience produces God's miracles in your life. And miracles produce gratitude. And gratitude produces worship. Produces praise. In this story that we just read, in Luke 17, let's go to 14, verse 14. 
It says, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. This is what Jesus commanded them. It was simple. Just go show yourself. And so it was that as they went, there was obedience. God does the miracle when we obey. When God speaks, we obey. When we obey, there's a miracle in our life. And when there's a miracle, there's gratefulness. And when there's gratefulness, then there's true worship. I want to be at the end of the day a true worshiper before the Lord. But it starts with my obedience to the God. It starts with my gratefulness to the Lord. There was one day when Jesus told me, when I was looking for an answer, when I was looking for hope in life, he said, come and follow me. Lay down everything and go take up my cross and follow me. And I did. That's obedience. And I told the Lord, Lord, all I need is you. I don't need anything. That act of obedience is saying, I don't need anything this world has to offer me. What you have for me is enough. And that's when God did the miracle in my life. That's when he cleansed me. That's when he changed my life. I see my life now, and I look back and I say, I'm a miracle. I'm a true miracle. And so I'm grateful for that. And because I've lived with gratefulness in my life, I worship God. Let that be your, that, let that be your testimony. Where are you at right now in your life, in your walk, in your true worship with God. Is it true? He says he's looking for true worshipers. He doesn't want fake worshipers. He's looking for genuineness. He's not looking for religion. He's looking for a true relationship, a true reality of his goodness. The other day I took my family to eat dinner, just any regular night, nothing special celebrating, just dinner. And after we ate dinner, we got out of the restaurant, and my little son, my little 11-year-old David, he's not that little, he's pretty big already. <laughs> the, the father sees him like tiny, but they're, they're, they're getting big. And so right after dinner, he came and gave me a hug, and he says, thank you, Dad, for dinner. And I was like, wow, to say thank you for dinner? I never get that one because it's expected. Even whether they're thankful or not, I'm going to feed them. I'm not going to let them starve. But what does that do in the heart of a father? Like, I want to, if this person is giving me thanks, like really giving me thank you, being grateful for the food I just gave him, which I give it to him every day, his mom does. What does that stir up in the heart of a father? I want to give this son more. Because everything I give him, he's thankful for it. I thank God that I've got kids that aren't spoiled brats. They are children that have, when they're, they have been given something from when they were little. They were given a gift, given a toy, whatever it was. They would come, give a hug, thank you, and, and come by an hour later. And give me another hug and say, thank you. I love it. How awesome is that? 
what joy it brings to the Father. I would have hated to give my kids something and never hear anything, never hear a thank you. That's called a spoiled brat. And to many of us, we've received so much, like the leper, that the other nine lepers, that have received a miracle in their life, the greatest desire that they ever had, it was given to them to be free so they can live a normal life. To then turn back and just never be grateful. That's a spoiled brat. And I can imagine you just want more. I want more. Give me more. And God doesn't want to bless the spoiled brat. And the heart of the father is no different than how I am with my children. It brings joy to our God. It brings joy to our father when he sees grateful children. Thank you, Lord. Haven't I already said thank you, Lord, for my home, for my family? Yeah. But I'm so thankful for that I have to continually say thank you. I have to. I got to continually say thank you, Lord, for this house right here, spring of life. Thank you for this family. This is precious. The world is in hunger for this. People don't have people to celebrate anything with. We celebrate everything together. We even hurt together. We pray for one another. We mourn together. We celebrate together. We rejoice together. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters, the spiritual fathers you've given me and mothers. Thank you, Lord. You are an incredible provider for my life. That's all I need. Take everything else away. This is more precious than anything this world can give me. Thank you, Lord. Continually thank you, Jesus. Psalm 118, verse 1. David said here, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. That's enough, isn't it? I don't have to even read. This is a, this is a long psalm. You can read all the verses. But I stopped that verse. When I started reading, I was like, I'm stopping right there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. That's enough. He's good. He's giving. His mercy, his love endures forever. His love doesn't end tomorrow, doesn't end today. No, it's forever. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. I love that song that says, you're good. It says, from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head to rest, the goodness of God. I live with the goodness of God. I praise you, Lord, because of your goodness. And it's not surprising to me that a man who's called after, a man, who, a person who's called a man after God's own heart was a thankful man. Doesn't surprise me. Because if you're after God's heart, if you're after pleasing the heart of the Father, you should, be, you should be a thankful man or woman. David was famous. He was a powerful man. Many serving him. He easily could have become self-focused with all that he had. Everything that he, the, the glory that he had. Being king. He could have got caught up with enjoying the good life and had no concern for the things of God. But he didn't. 
He found the good life in God. He found the good life in um, finding the heart of God and pleasing the heart of God and being grateful to the heart of God. And if you read the Psalms, all you hear is him saying, thank you, Lord. I come to his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I praise you in the morning. David was not pursuing his own heart. He was pleasing the heart of the Father. A thankful heart is focused on God. Not on self. And I'll tell you, one of the main reasons we wrestle with ungratefulness is that we're so focused on self. What is it for me? How much more can I have? I want so much more. We, we, we tend to pursue our own fulfillment, our own comfort, our happiness. David said, I will proclaim what the Lord has done for me. That's enough. Pastor Richie Ray was asked the other night when all the pastors were brought up here. And I wrote it down and said, what's kept you going? Not giving up in this race, persevering all these years. And his answer was gratefulness. I always remember everything that Jesus did for me, he said. He says, I'll never forget that. That's, that's what keeps me going. That's the fuel that keeps me going. The secret for not growing cold in the last days is gratefulness. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 40, verse 1. Maybe this morning this is your prayer to the Lord, or it has been, or it had been your prayer. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. You've been waiting for God's answer for your cry, for your call. But he's a God and he's a father who listens. He's not a father that when he comes in, when you come into the room, I don't have time for you. No, he's a father. If you wait patiently for the Lord, he says, it says, he inclined to me, he heard my cry. He makes sure to give you the attention that you need. That's the heart of a father, a good father. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me. He heard my cry. He heard my need. He heard, God, I need you. Verse 2. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He took me out of my life of sin, out of my disgust, out of all that sin that was devouring my life, I'm saying, Lord, I need you. And he pulls you out of that gunk, out of that miry clay, and it says he set your feet upon a rock. And on that rock, he washes you with his blood. There he forgives you, he cleanses you, and he establishes your steps from that point forward. Now your steps have purpose. Now your steps have meaning in life. Before you were just going around in circles. You were like the people of Israel. Just going in circles in the wilderness. 
It took them 40 years because they were going around in circles, because they were ungrateful, because they weren't being led by the Lord. It was an 11-day journey, but they took 40 years. A lot of us are missing out because we're just going in circles, because we're complaining all the time. But God wants to rescue you from that and put you on a rock, and he wants to establish your steps so he can take you where you're going. I see many of my friends that I grew up in high school today. I don't talk to them too much, but I do look at once in a while where they're at. It's like check up on Facebook, and I see destruction all over their lives. Is there anything better of who I am? No, it's because God is good. It's because God rescued me. It's because God established my steps. And when I was in high school, I was reaching out to them and I told them, and I was a young guy, I didn't even see the final result. If I had seen what I had done, I wish I could show them a video and a picture of what my life would be. I just said, God is good, man. I'm going to follow him. What are you going to do? And he established my steps. He gave me purpose. He gave me reason. Verse 3. He gave me a reason to live. And it says, he has put a new song in my mouth. Not only did he rescue me and set me free, but now there's this praise. I used to complain about everything. Now I thank God about everything. I praise God about everything. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Because now everywhere I go, I'm thanking God. I'm praising God for what he's done. And it, many are hearing it. Many are now trusting in the Lord because of what he's done. Because they see the final result. And it all starts with a heart that says, Lord, I need you. I want to obey you. And I'm grateful for what you've done. And that's enough. I don't need anything else. All I need is you, Lord. Verse 4. No, that's it. Verse 3. We're going to go to Psalm 103. Verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. If there's anything that you get from here today, is don't forget any of what the Lord has done. Don't forget any of his, don't forget what he's done and don't forget all his benefits. The Lord has the best benefit plan that anybody could ever give. You, don't want, to, you want to know what those benefits are? Let's read them in verse 3. Now they're listing them right here for you more than your 401k, more than your health care. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Physically, spiritually, he heals them. Verse 4. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He crowns you. You're my son. You're my daughter. But how can that be, God? I didn't, I didn't have a good father. Yes, I'm a good father. 
crowns you. He loves you. You're a prince. You're a princess. Verse 5. He says, He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies me with good things. He gives me the best because he's a good father. And he's only going to give the best to you if you're grateful. Don't expect God's best if you're ungrateful. He doesn't like spoiled brats. Ask your life, what would have my life been if it hadn't been for the Lord? Could you take a snapshot of that for a second? If it hadn't been for the Lord, where would my life be? Where would my marriage be? Where would my children would be? Where would I be right now if it hadn't been for the Lord? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would look at every heart here. And if there's any heart, Lord, of ingratitude, the sin of ingratitude, I pray, God, that you would change our, our hearts, change our way of thinking. Father, today we want to be obedient to your word. And we want to live a life that is grateful, that is thankful. We want to praise your name, Lord. We don't want to just come and sing religiously some songs on Sunday. We want to be able to truly worship you, God. We want to give you a praise that comes from our heart, a praise that is in response of what you've done. We just want more of you, God. And I pray, God, that we would be a people where you would find true worshipers in this place. And I pray that we would not lose focus during this time of the year with all the festivities, with all the things. Those are all good, Lord. We celebrate, but we celebrate your goodness. We want to celebrate with your people. We want to celebrate even our forgiveness, our redemption, everything. All that you've done. We want to thank you. We want to celebrate. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. You are dismissed, and we're going to get ready for the second service.